We can. Welcome to the official Dungeons and Dragons podcast. I'm Greg Tito, and Trevor is not going to talk over me. I'm too polite. Like once he actually jumped into it, I was like, ah, no. No. And hi, I'm Trevor Kidd. If you if you missed that. Oh, the dulcet tones of of Trevor Kidd. Dulcet. Yeah, we all warmed up. What even is dulcet? Uh, it's it's a, a, a candy. <laughs> <laughs> it's delicious and smooth. I like how you just committed. You just yeah. like I'm gonna make this up. Yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go. <laughs> We're playing categories here <laughs> on the Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Dulcet is a uh, handsome bird from the Eastern European region. That it sounds... is uh, known for how pretty it sounds. That sounds totally believable. Uh, yeah, sure, I mean, I'm, I'm good at BS. I'm I'm, I'm down. Yeah. Well, today we have uh, some amazing things to talk about. Curse of Trot is out. It is in stores. You can buy it. It's an amazing adventure. Uh, it's got amazing artwork, uh, which we talked about on the podcast uh, quite a, a month or so ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and the actual text is good, too. Yeah, Ooh. I know I know. I say this every time an adventure comes out. I really mean it. This is probably my favorite my favorite adventure so far it, that we've done. It keeps shifting. Your yes. favorite thing keeps shifting yeah, every I'm, single time. I, I'm not just like, oh, look, I am I am a new and shiny person. Like, oh, this is new. New, I like it. But, like... This adventure uh, has, has more of that openness, more of that this, like less railroads yeah. know, from old old adventures. Um, it's it's awesome. The team did a great job. Uh, it feels like Ravenloft. It's I love it. Yeah, it smells like Ravenloft. They actually put like yeah some scratch and sniff inside the book. <laughs> right. uh, if you want you want some zombie corpse. You we, can smell we, we that got, corpse. We got that. Yeah, it's, it's good. You we want got, some want some wet werewolf. Some totally. ra- raven droppings. Yep, we got it all. Yep. So. it's all in there. Uh, yeah, that's that's how you make good books. Not not really. I don't want to bait and switch people, but be, there's be also upset a, that your your book doesn't smell like bird poop. Okay? Well, there is a fold out map. <laughs> there is there is an awesome fold out map. We I know this isn't something that you, do, you see in a lot of RPG products anymore, uh, but it's a it's a big fold out map. Uh, and yeah, if, if if people like it, we would love to do more. So yeah. we'll see how that goes. Let us know. Let us know uh, in the uh, comments yeah. here on the iTunes if you want to give us a rating on our, our podcast. But then also let us know what you think about the Grace's yeah, no. Trod map. Like, do it. Uh, you can also reach out to us on Twitter too. What's uh, what's your Twitter handle there, Trevor? I am Trevor underscore Watsy. And what's the official one? Wizards underscore D and D. What's the quiz that I'm giving you? I don't know. <laughs> What's an unsweet and unladen swallow? All right. Uh, I'm also at Greg Tito. You can complain to us about our uh, intros and outros there. Yes. Uh, we, are, we are very uh, uh, susceptible to your criticisms. Am I going to have an awesome throwback from the last podcast where we say awesome and yeah, do not say okay, that anymore. Okay. No, we're going to um, say amazing. Let's say oh, man, we're amazing. Gonna, is we're like amazing go out of style. We have an amazing uh, guest today we, on he, the podcast. He is pretty amazing. Actually. He makes amazing comic books. His name is Jim Amazing Zub. <laughs> <laughs> I had to, I had to laugh away from the mic there. Sorry. Yeah, that would have been loud. Uh, and I'm excited to talk to him. He's, he's made uh, the Baldur's Gate Legends uh, series last year, and uh, uh, this series he's coming out with a new one uh, where some of those characters travel to Barovia. Yes, last last we saw our heroes, they were in Faerun, and they were dealing with uh, uh, some dragon problems yes. that, that the world was having. Uh, but yes, Ravenloft is their next their next stop. Minsk, Boo, and Friends. I know, this is such like a smashing of, of, of uh, D&D settings. It's amazing having them be like Baldur's Gate. Uh, you know, the Minsk and Boo came from the... The video game uh, Baldur's Gate in the mm-hmm. '90s, then it's been brought into you know closer enmeshed with our canon, and then now in Barovia, it's perfect. Yep, yep, he's going everywhere. Miniature giant space hamsters. I mean, they, they travel around a lot. They, they get space, around. Space hamsters. They get around. Yeah. Boo gets around. We, know we, we need to add them into a Spelljammer comic, and uh, we'll, be, we'll be done. And we'll actually go to, well, to pro- other worlds. Probably somehow turn into a, a giant giant space hamster, and the myth will be broken. Everything will change. Yeah. 
So we're going to talk to Jim uh, yes. and uh, get the lowdown on on this new comic. Mr. Zub, we're, we're reaching out to you with our magic powers, <laughs> a.k.a. Oh, there it is. There's the sound. <laughs> Wait for it. <laughs> there it goes. That's also what magic sounds like. Hello, hello. Hey, hello. Mr. Zub, how's it going? Oh, fantastic. Cool. So, uh, yeah, we're here to talk to you about, uh, uh, well, just Dungeons and Dragons in general, but then more about uh, the new, the old comic and the new comics that are coming out. Yeah. All the comics. All of the of the the comic. All the, the sands. Zzzz. See, he knows. He knows what's going no, on. No, not comic sans. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you write all of your comics in comic sans? Yes, it's the only <laughs> approved font for all comics. That's actually what Comic Sans was invented for. Yes. For all Comic Sai. Comic So we always like to, I mean, you might, you might have done this last time you were on the podcast, but we'll do it again for, for our new listeners. Uh, what uh, wh- what was your, your, your origin story with Dungeons & Dragons? Where did you start? Where did, where did you first get that... that uh, uh, you know, Tarask inside you. Yeah, how did you get your D&D oh, superpowers? That's really how did I get my D&D on? So yeah. um, I started playing D&D. I, I think I was eight years old. I seem to recall the original, like the, the early 80s, the red basic box set. Mm-hmm. It said something like, you know, ages nine and up or whatever. My brother took great pains to tell me that I was too young. To be <laughs> you're, t- you're one, you're too young to <laughs> yeah. even, to even look at you're this box. You're a child. <laughs> you cannot possibly understand this thing. Um, but it was my brother and my older, my older brother and my older cousins who, um, who played D&D first and got, well, my cousins really got us hooked on it. And uh, so we started playing, like my brother uh, was trying to figure out this cool game and we were telling all these cool stories. And, you know, because I was the youngest of, of our kind of little group. My parents basically said they couldn't play unless I played too. Mm. So I was the sort of tag along young kid. But it also meant that, you know, normally when you're hanging out with the older kids, you just want to kind of impress them. Like every turn that we would play, I would have a chance to, you know, do something in my initiative order. I would be able to do something exciting or funny or make them laugh or entertain them. Mm-hmm. And so... It was a way for me to kind of, it ended up being a way for me to, to essentially kind of prove myself or sort of be like, look, I can be a valid part of this group. I can, you know, do this thing and, and have fun with it. That's cool. And how, I, how, old, know, how much older were your, uh, were your cousins and brother? Well, my, my, two of my cousins were, um, uh, one of them was like three years older and then my brother and my other cousin were four years older. Okay. So they were like 12 and 13 and whatever. They're like you know, teenagers to your eight years old. Yeah. 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 So, <laughs> but it was a really amazing experience because, you know, it didn't really matter as long as I described something cool and I rolled the dice and I rolled well, I was just as good as they were. You know what I mean? So it had this really kind of leveling effect for me to be able to play with them and be on the same kind of proving ground. And, uh, and if I, I could make them laugh and I could do something fun, they would talk about it. They would remember, you know, I was like important and stuff. So it was, uh, it's a real confidence booster for me at the time. And it really unlocked my creativity. Like I went crazy for it, making characters that I would never play just binders full of characters <laughs> that we would up and, it's political. and stuff like that. I would, yeah. Sorry. I, it, it I, was, I, no, no, no. It, it was wild. It was, it's political season, so you said binders full of characters, and I instantly had a <laughs> to binders full of women. And, oh, no, no. Has no, nothing, no, just nothing to do with this stream. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all these, you know, 
just yeah it really did though it really tapped into my creativity i mean we didn't even know we didn't understand the rules very well for quite a while because my brother uh got the red box set for the basic D, and then my aunt found out that we were playing and she bought my brother the uh ad and d uh, dungeon master's guide nice and we didn't know there was a difference between ad and d and basic D&D. And so the rules were just slightly confusing enough that my brother would just start winging all sorts <laughs> of it. And I had no idea. He would just tell me, you know, roll this die, do this thing. And I was just so excited all the time wanting to, you know, do cool stuff. Did you so, ever DM or do, do at this stage you were, you were a player, but did you, when did you make the transition into yeah, creating your own stories? I didn't stories? start teaching. DMing until my brother went off to university. So when when he was still going through high school, he was pretty much the DM for for me and for my friends most of the time. And then um, when he was getting ready to graduate high school and I was entering into high school, um, I started to run games for my friends. That was where that kind of started to take off and, and really the nostalgia for that and everything I'd kind of learned kind of moving forward. And then when he went off to university, I was like the permanent dungeon master. <laughs> I was I was always the person running games, you know, whether it was Dungeons and Dragons or other tabletop games that we were playing all through high school. Um, I just, yeah, I ran tons and tons and tons of games that whole time. And then it was, you know, it was as a storyteller and as really a person trying to bring the most out of the players. And I love, and I still love to this day, um, bringing new people into the hobby who have never played before because they don't have any preconceived notions in terms of how the game is supposed to work or what you're supposed to do. And I find the kind of honest simplicity of their portrayals and they, that they're not kind of metagaming or, or min-maxing. They're just like doing things because they think it's cool or they're yeah. doing things because it seems like the right thing for their character to do, you know, and that you get some of the most pure kind of entertainment out of those interactions. I really, really love them. That is cool. I, I love the story of you, of you like learning from your brother and him going off to college and you kind of picking up and, and doing that kind of thing. Was there any kind of like yeah. moment where he went off and, and he was like, like passing the, 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 DM, the DM torch? torch. Like no, here's, there, here's I mean, all my sacred not... text for, for <laughs> you to use in your DM game. No, no, he took all his damn books with him. Um, <laughs> oh no, really? Oh, that ass! That ruins yeah, that ruins my stuff. my no, total but... fiction in my head now. <laughs> no, he didn't <laughs> hand over the plus one longsword. Um, <laughs> no, it, it was funny though because I do I do, I have a couple of really distinctive moments where I kind of learn stuff about gaming or about you know storytelling. I have this one moment. So um, I this is the official D and D podcast, so I can't really. I guess I can go as deep cut as I want to. Go and for everyone's going to know this stuff. Yeah. So we we were playing through the village of Hamlet, the oh, yeah. you know the pre-adventure that you do before the Temple of Elemental Evil, mm -hmm. and the whole adventure is like three quarters of the adventure is just the village, and it's supposed to be like setting up like a base of operations for you and all your NPCs and all this sort of stuff. And I'm eight years old, and all we've been playing at this point are just like dungeon delves, right? So I just go into a cave and kill all the stuff and take their treasure and and I, I would have this huge long uh, piece of foolscap and I would just write down all the stuff that I'd plundered <laughs> for the entire adventure. Here's all my things. It was, just, it was all my stuff, right? And then, you know, I, it, it was really cool. This eight-year-old, I was like, I've got 34 daggers or whatever, you know, like <laughs> I have, you know, 16 spears. Like, I don't know where I store any of this stuff, but I have it. Um, and so I go into the village and I just walk up to like the first 
you know, house on the bottom, the southwest corner or whatever, knock on the door and some random villager comes to the door and I just bury an axe into them <laughs> because I think it's a dungeon. And I don't, I didn't understand that this was supposed to be like human people. I thought it was like a monster village or something. Yeah. So I just start destroying the place. And my brother's aghast, but also amused <laughs> and kind of lets me run rampant for a few houses before he explains that the villagers are organizing a posse to come arrest me. <laughs> and I was really upset. I was like, what are you talking about? And he was like, you're a bad guy. Oh, I'm going to change your oh, life into chaotic people. And this eight-year-old little kid just crying. I'm like, I'm not a bad guy. You know? oh, I thought they were all doppelgangers. <laughs> I thought they were monsters. You know, like I didn't understand. And so, you know, we're yelling at each other. My mom's like, what is going on? And my brother doesn't really want to explain that I've been killing villagers. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, it, it kind of, uh, the next character I made was actually a paladin because I was like, I'm going to be gooder than good. I'm going to be the goodest <laughs> thing that I ever gooded. <laughs> and uh, so, <laughs> so we go on this, you know, the next uh, couple of adventures we go on with this paladin. I'm doing like all this stuff, you know, I would get treasure. And then my brother would say, oh, are you going to tithe any of it? And I was like, what's that? And he goes, you give a bunch to the church. And he could see like the vein popping in my forehead, oh, like no. I'm giving away my treasure. And he's like, that's what good people do. And I'm like, fine. I'm stop giving away like 90% of my treasure to the church to prove to him that I'm good. I'm know? the best. Wow. I'll give away. I'll, that's I'll, right. I'll only tithe to myself. The rest of it goes to the church. <laughs> I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going to do the opposite tithe. <laughs> that's right. So, I'm so good. Hearing, yeah, you, hearing, you describe this, hearing you describe this paladin, you're going to be the gooder, goodest of the good. I'm like, now I get why he does such a good job of, of uh, writing Minsk and Boo. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm the yeah, bestest you know, best. That's right. I really enjoy, um, I mean, writing D&D is such a cool experience because you are essentially role-playing. It's just, it's this weird closed system where I'm the DM and I'm also the player. So I'm like setting up these threats and then I'm kind of thinking to myself, how would they react to that? What's the most entertaining and ridiculous thing we can do, you know? <laughs> and someone like Minsk, where his dialogue is is kind of like this weird you know, id just kind of run rampant. Uh, he's just going to say the first thing that comes to mind, whether or not it's it's classy or ridiculous. Um, that's yeah, it's a ton of fun to kind of tap into that and imagine that I'm one of those players that's just going to kick down every door and uh, drag the rest of the party kicking and screaming into whatever danger you know yeah. is coming their way. I'm a I'm a big I'm a big proponent that uh, those characters like the ones that do the stuff that they shouldn't do the making bad decisions ones yeah are like super necessary for a DD game oh they're so, the best characters because yeah. everyone else will sit there and they'll they can strategize until they die they will they you know they will literally age before your eyes mm -hmm. trying to work <laughs> out the perfect strategy they'll just you know well if we had an 11 foot pole or you're just like oh come <laughs> on man and then all of a sudden that guy's just like all right we're up we're going here's i'm gonna punch him and you're just like, like Whoa, what here what? we go so, <laughs> Which it's was what your express, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what your eight-year-old uh, uh, barbarian character was doing, going house to house. You're like, I'm just going to kill these people because that's what you do. And you're like, oh wait, oh totally, yeah. That's and what... I so did my own. Um, I did a, a creator-owned comic for an Image uh, called Skull Kickers, mm -hmm. and that was essentially my love letter to D and D. Yeah. So it was like this sword and sorcery kind of insanity. These two mercenary monster 
mashers who, who get themselves into these scenarios and just do the wrong thing every time or, you know, do the greedy thing or the ridiculous thing. Like the way I kind of explained it was, you know, you read the D&D comic and it's sort of like the ideal D&D campaign and Skullkickers is like probably the real D&D campaign yes. you have. Everything goes sideways, you know, so. Yeah, like, okay, so you're in the tavern. I want to steal some stuff from this guy. It's like, you don't even know the guy. I'm going to do it. It's like, oh, okay. Exactly. And then the story exactly. goes from there. Like, I, I and, when I saw you in... the prop. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. When I saw you in Gen Con years ago, I picked up Skullkickers and uh, I read through it. That's definitely what I feel. I would I would like to say that, like, they get themselves into... In the, horrible problems and then they get themselves out again by doing like bad things but really all, all that happens is they they get into like an adventurous horrible problem and they do something quote-unquote stupid that solves the problem right and they just creates a bigger problem yes and then it, it just yes. chains from there constantly it's like this is actually a pretty amazing it's adventure just a cascade. yeah and if something you know if even if they've been victorious in that moment whatever they've done will come back to haunt them later because they did it in a in a way that you know always has a a penalty attached to it even if it's not in that moment yeah and that just feels like that feels like tabletop to me that feels like D, where you have these characters that are doing things you know we as a, a group are collaborating together to make this fun story and the unexpected is what really drives it you know if it was just the cliche story all the way through if it was just okay we go to the cave and we beat the bad guys and we save you know the townspeople or whatever that's fine i guess but what i love is when those when things just go a little wrong yeah when someone does e even the most mundane thing they cast the spell and it doesn't have the effect they thought or the trap goes off and it just those things are the things that i think people remember most about the dnd games is not when it all came together, but when it when it all went horribly wrong and and they kind of rolled with the punches. It sounds yeah. like you're really describing like a fantasy pulp pulp fiction, like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all the yeah, crazy stupid things that, that happen in that and you know in those kind of Tarantino you know L.A. crime story uh, genre, but set in in fantasy world. Absolutely, I think you know I think that a great D and D game has that element of the unexpected. You know right. what I mean. Uh, I think it is this kind of like, I don't know, to me, D&D &D is like pulp fantasy by way of, you know, the Coen brothers or something like it's like, yeah, these bizarro personalities kind of jammed together on a mission that no one should ever have hired them for. Right. But they're going to prove themselves anyways, kind of thing. It is know? like that heist kind of uh, uh, movie thing where everybody's got their own specific uh, tool set that they need to bring to the thing and then yeah. it all yeah. goes to crap. Yeah. It's like it's and, like superhero genre or any of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Same thing. Oh, absolutely. One of the things that is so funny to me too is when we were in high school or when we were playing D&D, &D, the rules were sacrosanct. You know, if it was in the book, you could do it, which was just a nightmare, of course, because there's <laughs> way too many options. Yeah. But once we got to college and we got a brain, we were like, okay, maybe this isn't fun for everyone. If you can just open up every book and every option, you know, we should probably narrow this focus a little more. But um, it, was, it was a way for us to socialize, you know, instead of all of us just I don't know, staring at a television, we were all interacting with each other. We were all sitting around a table and having this experience together. Yeah. And there's something really visceral and amazing about that. And I think that anyone who hasn't played a tabletop game is really missing out on that really core of storytelling and, and uh, enjoying the company of your friends and their own creativity in a way that you've never seen before. And I like too how you said, uh, you know, your eight-year-old self 
felt uh, a confidence boost. Like you were able to feel like, hey, no, I, I, I can be creative. I can, I can run with the with the older kids and make it all, yeah, all, all, all work and make them laugh. And then you're just part of the part of the group. Absolutely, right? I would not be a writer today if it wasn't for Dungeons and Dragons. And wow. I've said that all. I mean, absolutely, because it proves to me that. I could not only be entertaining, but I could be spontaneous about it. Like that in the moment, instead of kind of clamming up and just being like, oh, I can't say that. Oh, I can't do that. You know, just going with it and really mm-hmm. being being fun and being, you know, l- letting my creativity sort of roar forth, I guess, in a lot of different ways. It was, uh, yeah, it was really empowering to me. It's interesting then you went into, I mean, because, you know, just what you're talking about there, that sounds like that you would want to be improv comedy or do something that was a little bit more spontaneous, whereas comics feels like there's a there's a process there. You have to work with the, you know, the, right. the, the, uh, uh, the artist and then the colorist, and then you got to get a publisher to sign on to it. You know what I mean? Like, so there's a lot, it's not, it's not as spontaneous as, as some other art forms. No, it's true. I, I mean, I have done some acting and I've done improv and things like that. Before. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Do you yeah, still do, you yeah, still do that now or? I do not. I don't as much as I used to. I mean, it was a ton of fun. I I actually went to school for animation. So oh, cool. my background is kind of in classical Disney style animation. I went to school uh, for that and then went out into the industry, worked in kind of the Canadian animation industry for several years and then uh, hooked up with a studio that was doing kind of design and illustration stuff for animation and movies and video games, but they were also doing comic stuff and that kind of, I mean, I've always loved comics, but then all of a sudden I, I could actually see a way kind of in through the the contacts and the people that I met there. And I learned a ton about the publishing industry and, and stuff like that. And so that kind of empowered me to go, oh, okay, this storytelling, this stuff that I've always wanted to do, there is a there is a route I can finally sort of see through this jungle and, and you know, maybe make my way through it. And uh, over the course of several years, kind of making my own comics and trying, uh, you know, a few different things. So, yeah, it was uh, it was a really cool uh, experience and it's kind of bringing all of those things, whether it's my kind of background in animation and, and that sort of visual storytelling and then bringing, you know, the writing aspect and the gaming aspect. You know, it all kind of comes together in the in the D&D comics. Very cool. I'm going to use that as our segue back to D&D comics. So we, we've we dealt with Dragon Queen stuff in the previous arc with, with our, our mm-hmm. heroes that you've got here. Uh, and, yeah. then, and now they are going to Ravenloft. Before we get too much into that, I suppose I should always stop and realize that people may not know what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> do you, do you <laughs> want to go ahead and... Totally and inside baseball. Yeah, like, like, oh, crap, everybody's not, not filled with all my knowledge. <laughs> it's not that much, people. You're not missing much. <laughs> yeah. um, but you, do, you try to share it as much as you can. I try, I try. I'm one of those people that I, I, will, I will gladly share all my knowledge because I'm so smart. No. Tell us um, about the D&D comic. Yeah, but anyways, yeah. Jim, since you are the creator, what can yes. you tell us about the cast of the D&D comic? So the D&D comic series uh, is launching in April, and it actually continues the cast that we launched in the, uh, the previous D&D miniseries called Legends of Baldur's Gate. Right. And um, so we put together this, this crew that's got uh, a couple characters from the old Baldur's Gate video games that we brought kind of into the present Forgotten Realms in a fun and kooky way. And then we hooked them up with a group of uh, rapscallions and troublemakers and tied them into... Um, you know the the dragon plotline that was 
uh, you know, going on with the launch of fifth edition. And so that was a ton of fun. And I was, I wrote the heck out of it. Like this may be my only chance to ever do D&D. <laughs> so I'll just like go berserko. And then, um, berserko is, a, is a, te- a technical comics term, right? I'm the, telling you, that is, yes. He's, ch- he's chilling mint left and right. <laughs> <laughs> I, t- I put as much Minsk in there as I possibly could. <laughs> and people really responded very strongly to it. And uh, a lot of just wonderful feedback from readers and got some great, uh, you know, just the fan base was, was, was awesome. And I think fifth edition did a great job in terms of bringing people, you know, into the fold and getting them excited, whether they've played before or not. And, you know, taking the old stuff that we love about D and D and some of that nostalgia and, bringing it into the present, you know, and I think that's what's so awesome about, um, about seeing Ravenloft return as well. You know, that's right. what's got me really pumped. And so, um, both IDW and, and Wizards of the Coast, they contacted me and said, you know, did you want to do more? And I said, I'm, I'm interested, you know, what have you guys got coming up? And it's funny because people assume that you guys are doing this product launch with Ravenloft and therefore like the dictate comes down from on high. You're like, you must use Ravenloft or something like that. And it was really kind of the opposite. I said, you know, what are you guys doing? He said, Oh, we're doing Ravenloft. I'm like, give it to me. (laughs) (laughs) Open up. I must, (laughs) I must use it. That's like my favorite module. You got to. And so it was really more of me just, uh, yeah, grabbing hold of, of the, the wild ride because I desperately want, to write, you know, these characters mm-hmm. uh, messing with Ravenloft. It's a cool mashup for sure. Like to take all these these Baldur's Gate characters and then throw them into Barovia and oh, have yeah. them deal with. And, the- and I was worried that that yeah that the that you guys were going to be more kind of like I don't know you know we don't want any comedy oh. in our dark gothic setting. <laughs> oh and whatever. Like, you know, I, I, yeah, I think the contrast is what's so great about it. I think that the setting is so robust and the game is so robust that you can have all kinds of different approaches. You can have a very, you know, serious, very dark approach to, mm-hmm. to Dungeons and Dragons. You can have romance, you can have adventure, you can have pure statistical craziness if people want to play that, that kind of game. Mm-hmm. And so I think this is really in the spirit of D&D where you're like, okay, we're going to take this group, which is probably not built very well for the, you know, hammer style horror, gothic horror kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And we're going to just, drive it as as crazy and intense as we can and see how these characters react to it and i think that's a lot of fun yeah, it I'm, is and it, you actually when we spoke to uh, uh chris perkins and tracy hickman uh, uh about you know the conception of this even the old ravenloft i mean they always said that you can't sustain horror suspense throughout an entire campaign or session you have no, to have levity no you way. have to break it up and so that's why there was some humor kind of inherent in yeah. the original module and 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 chris made sure to put that in in this too so it makes perfect sense for 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 minsk and the crew to to find some humor there well and what creates that darkness or creates that intensity is the sense of contrast if it's mm-hmm. just if you're turning it up to 11 the whole time you know trying to get people scared it has the opposite effect. You're just numbing them to it after a while. So even in this story, we're sort of throttling different elements of it. There's some funny interactions. And then in the, in that humor, something dark will come out of it or something kind of telling about the emotional context of the characters, which sounds funny because yes, as much as these characters can be comedic and as yes, you know, this group has been kind of this swashbuckling, uh, you know, pile of troublemakers being able to delve a little bit deeper and show another side to them is, is I think what's going to make it that much more of a rich experience. And even some, you know, Minsk and Boo, 
they're yes, they're ridiculous, and yes, you know, they're exaggerated, kind of kick the door down sort of characters. But on the other hand, I think that there's something really fun to show that Minsk has emotional quality. He wants to be a hero. He wants to do what's right, and he's going to be trapped in a realm where. To be 100% honest, you know, there's not a lot of place for heroism. There's not a lot of place for goodness that's going to stick. You know what I mean? And I think that that's going to be really telling to watch how he reacts to that, yeah. let alone the rest of the group who's got their own kind of problems and, you know, foibles that they're going to be bringing into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the fact that, too, that, like, you know, the, the most scariest moments will come after moments of, of, of humor, too. Like the fact that. Oh yeah. There's a little bit of a laugh will make it even more terrifying when yeah. Strahd shows up or so we're, we're not for, to spoil what happens. We're foreshadowing but, for you people. Yes. As soon as yeah, something yeah. happy and good happens to Minsk, <laughs> something really bad is all about the, to happen. All the bad stuff, yeah. And the, the rest of the cast too. So we're introducing a new character into the cast. We've Ooh, got cool. a cleric of Kellumvor. And she's uh again, you know, Kellumvor, although that's the deity of the of the departed. Like, they hate the undead, right? Because that's like an unnatural extension of life. Mm-hmm. And so she's going to be trapped with the rest of them in this place that is just just the antithesis of everything, you know, that her faith uh, believes in or, or wants. And so this place is just going to grate, you know, on edge <laughs> for her. It's just going to drive her bonkers. Uh, and I'm really kind of looking forward to that. I'm really, put, you know, putting these characters through the meat grinder a little bit. And I think that that's... That's how you get good drama, and that's how you get you know exciting storytelling. That's awesome. Anybody who knows anything about Ravenloft knows that she's going to found a church and she's going to fix everything. Oh yeah, yeah. That's oh, of course. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ravenloft. Spoiler alert. That's right. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a funny. I'll tell you a funny story. So Sorry. I went through the original Ravenloft with my brother, and I loved that adventure. Like I, we played an inordinate amount of time in that module. Yeah, I don't remember the original adventure is what like sixteen pages. pages or yeah, something. Yeah, it's small. It's small. I mean, it's it's, it's dense. It's got, yeah, it's, but we we played so much. I played session after session after session, and even after uh, we we defeated Strahd, there was this sense of like I don't want to go. Mm. And so I told my brother, I was like, okay, so we're gonna take over Barovia, like we're gonna <laughs> be the new barons of Barovia or whatever. And he's like, well, you know, the catacombs are still like crawling with undead. And I'm like, okay, we need to clear out the catacombs. And he's like, uh. So first we went from crypt to crypt to crypt, and there's what, like 30 or 40 of them mm-hmm. down there? And we're clearing out all the creatures. And then my brother's like, well, according to this, you know, there's a random monster generation table. There is no limit. Like there's an endless number of undead or whatever. And I'm like, well, then we have to consecrate the ground. Like we're literally. <laughs> so we came up with this crazy quest where we were going to basically bless the entire grounds of, of Castle Ravenloft just so we could own the place. Uh, that's how much I love this adventure. Like I wanted to own the castle. Like that's- I was obsessed. So badass. So yeah. it's cool to, to, for, for, for you guys and uh, the characters to jump in. And they're going to do the same thing, I'm sure, right? Consecrate Barovia. Oh, yeah. yeah. Own, own the castle. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. <laughs> Minsk, Minsk the Dark Lord. <laughs> that would be that would be. Co- I, I'm not sure. I would shed a tear watching watching Minsk fall to the dark side there. That actually, would... actually, I think well, it would be Boo the Dark Lord. There we yeah, go. Boo would totally be. Secretly, he's, Castle, an, he's an evil yeah. evil little hamster. So. We need to stat that up and, and give, give it to people. Yes. Well, April, April is coming. Loft. It's true. That's right. So, Jim, if you have if you have any spare time with a character sheet, uh, give us some of the stats on the Dark Lord Boo. Oh, yeah. We will make that That's happen. right. We will, we will publish. Hamsterloft. <laughs> Hamsterloft. Man. 
<laughs> so uh, well, now we full got of, back material. Full of golden ideas right now. I yeah. know it's full of it. Uh, speaking of, <laughs> it's, it's full of it. <laughs> So I opened it up to some questions on on, on the Twitters, uh, and a lot of people were responding. Or you're, I saw you were already answered some of those questions. But Dale I A, did, I couldn't. Have- yeah, good for you. Uh, but here's another one I'm throwing at you. Dale A asked, mm-hmm. uh, other than Ravenloft, because it seemed like this was your 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 kind of ideal D and D setting to jump into. Uh, yeah. What would be what would be something that you would love to to write a comic if you if you had the entire D and D canon available to you? Okay, and I'm saying this, and this is on the record. Nice. So uh, I expect this to be followed up upon as long as this series does well. Please, please, please let me write Planescape. Oh, my God. <laughs> I would love to write some Planescape so bad. Uh, I love Planescape. That whole, that, that multiversal setting and everything kind of crashing into the, um, yeah, all, all the dimensional stuff. I love, love, love Planescape. And that, that whole campaign pain setting blew my mind when it came out the Dieter Lisi artwork and mm-hmm. this idea that kind of anything goes yeah Planescape was my jam I that's, really love that that's one. interesting because like the more I, I constantly think about running a, a, a Planescape game because I, I loved a lot of the stuff that I read I loved the games like Torment mm-hmm. I loved I loved so uh, you mentioned doing like a comic and I'm like actually that makes a lot of sense to me because there's so much that goes along with Torment that if you were to like write a novel or something else I'd be like you're gonna yeah. miss this stuff like this language is weird for example, like, and the faction stuff was yeah. so it was such good role playing fodder because it was more than just alignment. It was about allegiances and it mm-hmm. was about these weird moral takes on on reality and all this stuff. And right. yeah, it, it just felt like a really visceral and cool and anything goes kind of setting. And I can even see it as a uh, we're tr- you're totally selling us on this idea. Yeah. <laughs> right? We don't we don't make the decisions, but we're yeah. all in the contracts in the mail. Uh, <laughs> But, but you uh, know the people who make the decisions. We, we do, yeah. But the the art style would be so. I mean, it almost reminds me of like the com uh, the cosmic uh, Marvel characters, where like you would you would yeah. get in that like weird art style stuff that you aren't able to even really get into with Barovia and Baldur's mm-hmm. Gate. Like you know, that's more kind of standard fantasy architecture. But you could do just all kinds out of there kind of yeah. stuff. There's just so much. Yeah, I, we had a campaign setting that I ran. This was years and years ago. And I was the DM on it. It was a group of friends they were playing. And because we wanted to, we were playing Planescape, but then I introduced this idea of a gladiatorial arena. And so then it was like you could bring creatures from anything, from huh. anywhere. And these guys were dealing with the politics of the gladiatorial arena, like oh, all the jockeying and the teams and all the troublemaking. And then you had the multiversal element of, oh, we brought this creature from this particular you know, realm to come fight and everyone's freaking out about it. And then you also had this idea of the characters moving up the rankings. So it was almost like the WWE kind of, you know. <laughs> right. Like, so, the fight so club. Had, and, and then people had factions too. And there was illegal betting and there was all this stuff. And it was just like this completely deranged everything goes kind of game. It was so much fun. That is fun. That sounds like that could be a good uh, uh, D&D board game. Planescape. Mm. Planescape Fight Club. Gladiatorial. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Planescape Fight Club. <laughs> I feel yeah, like, yeah, totally. don't talk about it. I feel like we've mashed so many things <laughs> at this point. <laughs> yeah, right. That's awesome. Cool. All right. Well, we'll, we'll talk to the people who, who make those decisions, and okay. uh, we'll make it happen. Great. Yeah. Tell them the next event is just Planescape. Sure. Yeah. We'll make that happen. Trevor's looking, <laughs> looking at me, shaking his head. He's I'm, like, I'm, yeah. I'm nodding unconvincingly is really what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, sure, sure. Sure. We'll do that. Yeah, of course. That'll be yeah. a thing. No problem. 
<laughs> yeah, and we'll get right on a lot of other stuff with people asking us to do Greyhawk and Dragonlance and Eberron. Whatever. And Planescape. You know. One of those will all probably in, happen. But let's be clear. I listed off a whole bunch of campaign settings. It, I'm pretty sure go. one of those is going to happen. I just don't know. In the, in the, in the future. I, the, the next handful of years, even. Whoa. Yeah. That's right. You're, you're making that? You're making that a claim? I, again, I got, I got no insight. Like, I, I have inside information. I don't, have that, I, I, don't, I don't have that far inside information. Right. So I'm like. You just start saying, hey, guys, what about Star Frontiers? You're like, whoa, slow down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Star Frontiers. We have the VHS, VHS <laughs> commercials to prove it. Listen, I figure, I figure if we do Spelljammer, <laughs> then that pretty much hits the Star Frontier yeah, like, that does, itch. That does. You can just, you can just do that yeah. one. Oh, sorry. I didn't mention Spelljammer. Sure, I'll throw that in the mix, too. Spelljammer is, too. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Well, sure. I, I have another question here from Philip Daigle at uh, at uh, um, Beamdog. Oh, uh oh, Mr. Daigle. <laughs> yes, uh, he uh, he says, uh, "Will Minsk ever find the real Nira?" Oh, that's <laughs> a good question. Um, so, well, the tough thing is, is right. So the timelines moved like a hundred years, approximately, from when the the Baldur's Gate, you know, sort of story happened. Yeah. And so one of the difficulties was, is that any of the, you know, non-Elven characters are pretty much, pretty much dead. Uh, but we have this fun thing with Delena. She's this wild mage character who is just happens to look a lot like Nira. But you know, Nira's an elf too, so it's possible. Yeah, anything's possible. Yeah, I think that it could be a ton of fun and very, uh, I think, ridiculous and enjoyable. Um, I, one of the things I've been trying not to do, like I don't want to go so inside baseball with the Baldur's Gate stuff, right. that you're that someone picking it up fresh is just like, what are they talking about? Yeah. So I'm always sort of hinting at these things rather than being really explicit. That's about the way them. to do it. Yeah, with like with like Easter egg kind of level stuff, where it's yeah. like you don't really need to know, but if you do know, you get that extra. Right. Oh, I'm in the know. Well, it was even like you know Mince being a statue and stuff like that. You know, mm -hmm. that's all riffing on old Baldur's Gate stuff as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. That's okay, cool. Yeah. And for the, maybe we should, speaking of inside baseball and how letting people, Nero was a, a, a an NPC in Baldur's Gate 2, I think. In the first one, maybe? Or was it the first so. one? the first one. Was it the first one? Uh-oh. It's, no, it's, it's been too long. Like, let me, let me right. it's, it's, it's all one big game to me, people. Yeah, right. So <laughs> the same story. Yeah, but the, the, And of course, the Beamdog uh, crew is, is, is talking about this because they want people to, uh, and you should, go check out uh, uh, the enhanced editions there. Uh, Hands Editions and then oh, yeah. uh, Dragon Spear Castle, which is the new uh, Baldur's Gate game coming out soon. Coming so. soon. Wait, is it, it's so good. Yeah, I, I played. I played those like crazy. I played the. the they did that PlayStation um, game of Baldur's Gate. What was it called? Oh, it's right on the tip of my tongue. The Can you remember now? Dark Alliance. Dark Alliance. I played those. Dark Alliance in one and two. I yep. played those all crazy. Yeah, yeah. I was obsessed with them. Those are fun. They're they're definitely uh, mm -hmm. uh, more slash and and, and hack. Oh yeah, and uh, uh, but they were great for just like you know getting. It, what's fun is you know the setting and you know all the stuff, and then you're just seeing the you know the graphics and you're getting your your treasure hunting on pretty much. It's good. It is. It's good times. So uh, I'm really excited mm -hmm. for the release. You said it's in April, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know the exact date on it. Um, but Nelson, he's the new artist on the series. So Max Dunbar drew the the first mini series. And Nelson Daniels taking over. And Nelson's awesome. He's really good, too. So, I mean, they're both amazing. Max is phenomenal. But We really wanted uh, to have Nelson, uh, Nelson on, too. But, uh, uh, you know, he oh, said know. His, his art is wonderful, but he's, he's still working on his English, he said. 
Yeah, yeah, he was really, he didn't want to embarrass himself, but oh. man, his art does all the talking. I got to tell you, he's really kicking it out. We're seeing pages from the first issue now, and they're just looking really, really good. That's and cool. I, sometimes I feel really bad because, you know, you write in a script, oh, you know, we're going to have an army of this kind of creature attacking, or we're going to have this ridiculous scenario. And uh, it's easy for me to type that out. It's another thing for someone to stage that on the page and make it all you know, cohesive and make sense. And in that first scene, I'm like, okay, so five characters back to back and they're being attacked by, you know, skeletons and all <laughs> this kind of crazy. People are bursting through windows and, and, you know, breaking down doors. And he's just like, okay, it'll look like this. <laughs> and then he just <laughs> does it all up. <laughs> done uh, and done. When you have collaborators that are that amazing, they really, they make it look, they make me look good. They make everyone look good. You know, you, you try not to take that stuff for granted. So how many, um, and this is, I'm a little bit ignorant as far as comic book uh, production no schedules go, but like how many, you're, you know, you said you're working on the first issue. Now, are you still writing right. the, the subsequent issues? Yeah. So I'm writing, I'm writing issue three right now. Okay. Well, we've had it outlined and approved for a few months now. So um, you know, as long now that the stories approved were in pretty good shape, like on the original D and D series, we had a longer lead time because they, you guys hadn't worked with me before. And I think that, you know, the fifth edition was launching and there was just more kind of moving parts yeah. on that bigger sort of corporate level. But now we're sort of in a good groove and, and everyone kind of knows what we're doing with it. And so, um, and I'm just, you know, sending Nelson tons of, of reference from the curse of Strahd book to make sure that it's all, you know, fitting in well with what's being produced for the, for the big source book and, yeah. and make it as fun as possible. And just as, you know, big and bombastic and, and D and D as I can, as I can muster. How many, how many issues is the series going to be? This is going to be five issues for this particular storyline. And then um, I'm setting things up so we can keep rolling from there. So I'm hopeful, uh, you know, that, that the characters will be able to continue off into other big ridiculous adventures. So I know, you know, the actual Ravenloft thing that we're doing is going to be five issues. And then, you know, from there, we've already got ideas in terms of how we're going to springboard it off into the next potential thing. So as long as people support and, you know, tell their friends and, and go forth and, and check it out, I'm confident we'll be, we'll be adventuring with these guys for a while. Yes. And I'm going to uh, mention something that happened last time. So, I will first say if you if you want to get caught up on the comics, what's going on? I know we've mentioned a couple of times as the D and D comic. It's Legends of Baldur's Gate is actually the comic you're looking mm -hmm. for by IDW. So go pick those up. Uh, you can pick them up digitally right now and go check them out. Uh, but yes. once once this Ravenloft come, one comes out, people will be like, "Oh, this is awesome! This is awesome!" And they'll turn to Jim and they'll be like, "Hey, Jim, are you going to do more?" And his answer is going to be, "I would love to talk to D and D." So yeah, I'm, just, sure. I'm, just, I'm just telling you now if. Uh, I'm sure we will want to do more, but if you if you want to if you want to bug people about doing more, please let Jem sleep. Bug 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 us. Uh, uh, like that's right. So we can follow up with our Boo the Dark Lord series. Exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we have you have to have at least like one like offshoot comic that is the the, the what the what if version, what right? If. If, if, if Boo became to do Dark like Lord. An April Fools comic next year that is just like why did we let Jim do this? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, awesome. I'm down. I will again talk they to my to people and make this happen. In the, they used to do that back in the 80s. Uh, Marvel would have um, what, what they used to call it Assistant Editors Month, and they'd let the writers and the artists do these weird humor issues, and they were just like these off-the-wall kind of inside joke bizarro issues once a year that they they did for like three or four years, and yeah. they're, they're, all, they're just super strange. But we kind of loved them because they were so, you know, they felt like a 
like you were in on the joke, you know? They got to stretch their creative muscles. I, oh, I, yeah, absolutely. I am going back to my desk and putting this, on, this idea on the calendar for next year. Yeah, like, the dark, <laughs> the dark lord boo. Just being able to do something comical and funny like that every year would be awesome. Yeah, that is cool. That would be so good. Oh, and I, that's the thing. I think you know people love D and D. I know, and and you can't take it too seriously. Like obviously, it is you know an incredible game, and it's an incredible you know sprawling uh, toolbox for your creativity and fantasy storytelling. But it's also about fun. It's about entertaining yourself and your friends and bringing them all together and and you know, making something cool and memorable. And a lot of that comes from the humor, you know, enjoying each other's company. And I love the spontaneity of that. I love yeah. when someone has the perfect joke at the perfect moment and everyone just, you can't believe how how well it all went off in that in that moment or the die roll that is the exact opposite of what you wanted to have happen, Yeah, but kind of perfect in its own way, you know? Have you uh, taken into watching anybody do live play Dungeons & Dragons on, uh, on Twitch or YouTube or anything like that? I have not. I've heard about a lot of these games. I've heard about a lot of the, the you know, sort of live play stuff and, and podcasts and all that kind of thing. And I want to, it's just a matter of time. That's the biggest problem for yeah. me is chunking out to be able to listen. Because I know a lot of the artists that I work with, they'll put on podcasts or they'll put on, you know, even like a, a sports or something in the background because they can just sort of draw once they've got the page roughed out. But they can, you know, they're noodling away on inking or something like that. When you're writing, you can't exactly have other distractions. Yeah. You know? so, uh, it can be tough in that way. And, and by the time I finish writing an issue, you know, I need to sort of step back and kind of recharge my batteries a little bit. So the other thing I worry about is if I listen to too much live play, like it's going to, I'm going to end up using some line of dialogue or anything. <laughs> too closely on what someone does you know uh, even when i was doing skull kickers every so often people be like that's what my character does i'm like yep that's the universal constant you know yeah I mean? like, and some of these things feel very um very core to kind of the gaming experience and so i'm trying to tap into my own sort of love of these things without you know just sort of taking from other people too much you know yeah, that makes total sense. But, you know, that's part – I'm sure people would love that if they were like, oh, my gosh, my line made it into uh, Jim's comics. It's amazing. Yeah. One of the first things people asked me as soon as they announced uh, that I was doing the Legends of Baldur's Gate, they were like, are you going to put any of your old characters into it? And I was <laughs> like, come on. That's silly. And then, of course, I yes. named uh, one of the characters Crydol, which was my old, <clears throat> you know, rogue. So yeah. uh, that – yeah, I just I just couldn't help it. I would I do it. I would do it in a heartbeat. I was like, yeah. I need a name, and that's a good name. Exactly. And oh, screw it. Yeah, yeah. That's so cool. Well, <laughs> I mean, if you ever do find the time, uh, I, it might be a good way to get back into uh, uh, you know playing again, or you know playing more often in a live yeah, setting. Yeah, that is totally. That is totally the thing. Everyone also asks. They're like, "Oh, are you running a game? Are you playing a game?" And mm. the toughest thing is finding the time. Like everyone I know is so busy. All right. the people that I would want to play with, we all got these creative careers. We usually do like board game nights. So we'll get people together and we'll play, a, you know, board games or we'll play card games or things like that. Stuff that we can finish kind of in one one go. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, um, but if you get that, that, if you get that, you know, common, you know, weekly scheduled thing, it's for work because you're promoting your own thing happening. That's you know, right. It lights the fire under everybody's ass and make it happen. It's true. Oh, totally. Well, well before we did Legends of Baldur's Gate, um, you guys sent me the advance of fifth edition before yeah. it launched, and so we played, I think, four or five sessions through that. Um, I forget the the name of the pre gen adventure that was in there, mm-hmm. and even just doing that was a ton of fun and and sort of getting the feel for it. Again. Again, and also getting a feel for what subtle differences there were between, you know, fifth and fourth and third editions and stuff like that. So, yeah. So you gotta get back in, dude. Well, yeah. next time you come up to yeah, Seattle, Seattle, we'll definitely uh, invite you to the office and and, and have uh, uh, some some fun session here with with Chris Perkins and Mike Morales, and it'll be a good time. See, that would be the trickiest <laughs> yeah. thing, right? Where yeah. you just have like the the Uber DM. Yeah, we'll like set it up Udi. so you can't say no. Yeah, you can't say no. That's right. <laughs> We've got it catered yeah, like, and everything. The, well, the thing is, so at Gen Con, uh, for the last few years, I've been sharing a booth space with Tracy Hickman. Mm-hmm. And um, he's a, he's a. it sounds weird I'm saying this out loud, he's a friend of mine. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, growing up, like, both Dragonlance and Ravenloft were so core to my being, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so when I first met him, I just played, like, totally cool. Like, no problem. Everything was great. And then it, you know, over time, sort of devolving, and him, of course, understanding that, you know, his his influence on me was huge, um, and seeing people come up and meet him at Gen Con and being so excited to, you know, uh, be able to talk to him and get his their book signed and you know this kind of stuff and 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 just I feel so fortunate that I don't know that that being able to have that experience and being able to know him and last Gen Con, we were already starting to talk about too in the new comic. Uh, stuff and you know he was uh, deep in the in development on Strahd stuff and mm-hmm. so I had a secret I was able to go over to him and say hey I know what you're doing and he was like oh really you know? and so he kind of was able to get something off his chest be like oh I could finally talk to someone about this <laughs> oh nice He's keeping this a secret is killing me you know what I mean so uh, you're both fired kind of, okay yeah, yeah I'm I here know. to tell you <laughs> you both broke your NDA no, I'm very upset with each other with each other <laughs> so it's okay. No, that's oh, super man. awesome. I love that there was like a cabal at uh, a Gen Con of, of of people talking about uh, uh, what, what was happening behind the scenes. You guys didn't know each other. It's it, that's awesome. Yeah, you know, it was also really fun with people coming up, and every so often over the weekend, so we'd be like, "Man, I wish they would bring Ravenloft back." And he would go, that <laughs> "Yeah, would, that would be that awesome. would be great, wouldn't it?" And then I would just be like, "Do to do to do," you know. Like, <laughs> That is that is a constant thing in our lives. I wish you guys would do blah blah blah. Like, yeah, man, wouldn't that yeah, be cool? Totally. You're like, that's a great idea, buddy. I'm gonna try to not give you I a significant look make, as I walk away. Yeah, I wish you'd make the hamster a dark lord. Do 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 do. I mean, I didn't want to spoil it for everybody, but we've talked about it so much. That yes, by the end of Curse of Strahd, <laughs> Boo is the new Dark Lord. It's, 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 it's one of the possible. Give this guy the power yeah. to write this book. <laughs> it's, it's one of the possible endings. You you can possibly make Boo the dark the new Dark Lord. Rick Ma. You're just you're just throwing it out there. There we go. We ruined it. Ruined I hope everybody, it. Was, everybody was happy. <laughs> so, oh man. Well. Thanks so much for talking to us, Jim. It was really great to uh, hear all about you know, your your D and D life, and then also the comics. It's it's just amazing. Yes, and we will have you on again it's, when we re- return for our Dark Lord Boo. And, yeah, uh, and and or right. our Planescape That's, campaign. <laughs> just hook it up. Yeah. Um, can I just uh, can I pit my website for? Oh a yeah, second? please do. Absolutely. 
So if people want to see what I'm up to, in addition to D&D, the other comic book stuff I'm working on or conventions that I'm going to be at this summer, um, you can go to jimzub.com, so J-I-M-Z-U-B.com. And on there, there's interviews and there's you know links to uh, books you can order online and all that good stuff. I've also got a bunch of tutorials about how to write uh, comic books. So oh, cool. everything from pitch documents to script nice. samples to... Um, kind of dramatic techniques and things like that that people seem to find useful because I like to blather about that stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> That's good stuff. I remember uh, jumping into, it's a little bit different, but understanding comics that uh, uh, Scott yeah. McLeod, uh, I'm not. That's a good friend of mine. Yeah, that was amazing. It's 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 so cool to see how the, the sausage is made. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm just training hundreds of people to take my job. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> that's great. Well, you you want to get in that producer role, right? You want to you want to right, make clearly. make people stars and make money off the of agents, the agent manager role, yes. right? <laughs> yes, I shall be the grand dungeon master of comic book writing. Nice, and you're on you're on Twitter too. Where can they find you to uh, bug, yeah, you, bug you there? Just at Jim Zub. So same thing, J I M Z U B, and they can ask me questions about D and D or just about the other books that I'm working on. My own um, series. I've got a new series that's been running at Image called Wayward, which is a bit like Buffy in Japan. So it's teenagers fighting Japanese mythological monsters. Neat. I've got. Uh, I'm launching a, a new series. Uh, well, the return of the series for Marvel called the Thunderbolts, which is going to be launching in May. And I've got a bunch of other stuff sort of coming up in the, in the months ahead. So lots of good comic book goodness. Sweet. Check it out. Thanks so much, Jim. Uh, we'll t- we'll talk to you. My absolute pleasure. We will talk to you again soon. You're the bomb. <laughs> <laughs> See you, Jim. Oh, I like Jim. He's a good guy. Yeah, I always love talking to Jim. So. Yeah, we got to hear all about uh, his, uh, I didn't realize, you know, eight years old. It's, uh, it's yeah. a, a way to get into D and Dungeons and Dragons right and early. Apparently, I, I started at the age you're allowed to start because I'm a nine. I was nine year old when I got in. You so were nine. He was like eight. Me and one year. I was like, oh man, rule breaker. <laughs> Can't believe you did that. Yeah. No, but it was. It's awesome talking to Jim. Uh, now we have things on our plate. We need. We need uh, Boo the Dark Lord. Mm-hmm. We need uh, uh, Planescape comic. And I forget what the third thing was. Yeah, I've already. I've already forgotten this stuff. We just so. need uh, uh, to sit around with Jim and and uh, have him work his magic. Speaking of uh, Jim working his magic, uh, you guys should go check out the most recent issue of our uh, Dragon Plus, Dragon Magazine that we've got going on. Uh, it's just dragonmag.com. In the most recent issue, there's an interview with Jim where he's talking more about the comic and uh, how Legends of Baldur's got to start and what the character's up to now and, and comic books in general. So uh, it's a definitely a great read. You'll hear some of the same stuff you heard here, but there's a lot of different a lot of different details there. So Sure. Yeah, you can check it out online on the website, but then you can also download on your app to get updates yep. uh, uh, in Android and uh, iOS. So. If you do a search for Dragon Plus, you should find it. It is Dragon with a plus symbol afterwards, to be clear. That's what we're talking about here. But you can also search for Wizards of the Coast, and yep. it'll definitely show up there. And that'll get there, too. But yeah, it's we've got an issue every other month. This one has a whole bunch of Ravenloft stuff. It's got Volo's Guide to Ravenloft, basically. He goes there. Uh, Ed wrote that for us, which is awesome. Ed Greenwood. Yes, we have a, an adventure in there, which is basically this uh, haunted house adventure that Chris Perkins and the guys put together for some conventions, but uh, you get you can play it from that as well. Uh, a lot of cool stuff in there, so go check it out. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of Dragon Plus. I read it on the bathroom. No, <laughs> on the bathroom. <laughs> well, on top of the bathroom, where am I? Never mind. Yeah, well, I, yeah, this is getting bad. We're, we're, editing, we're editing all this out. <laughs> no, no, we're keeping it. <laughs> this is gold. <laughs> you said it. It's in. Yeah. Uh, all right, we, well, well, we, we do live podcasting. He's here. rolling the dice again. Uh, as oh, a one. Critical it means it's failure. Out. <laughs> it's out. 
Uh, you can uh, complain about everything that I do uh, to me at Twitter. I'm at Greg Tito. Uh, and you can just talk to me about your character at uh, Trevor underscore Watsy. Oh, please don't. I mean, yes, do. Do, please do. As long as you keep it interesting. But don't complain to him. I don't, complain to me. I don't want to have to gong you when you come and t- tell me how cool your character is for like 500 tweets. All right. But no, seriously, uh, tell us about the podcast. Uh, tell us about what you liked, what you didn't like. And we will continue to adjust appropriately. And also, uh, go check us out on iTunes. Rate us and give us comments there. I like ratings. I like comments. They make me happy. Hey, Tito. Most of the time. Be the bomb. Be the bomb. <laughs> All right. Thanks, you guys. Thanks, everybody. See you next week.